Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff on LettermanRow.com. Uh, this is the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by our good friends at Byers Automotive. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. On the other line is my good buddy, Spencer Holbrook. We are talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting. And um, this time of year, Spencer, uh, is a little bit slow. So, you know, people might think that, hey, we're talking about the same guys over and over. But um, when news happens, that's what we're going to talk about. And, and the biggest piece of news in the last few days, as far as I'm concerned, is the uh, of the decision, I guess, that Evan Pryor wants to be committed by the start of April. And uh, knowing that he wants to take a visit to Ohio State in March, knowing that Ohio State has been near the top of his list for a while, knowing that the Ohio State recruits feel very strongly that Evan Pryor is a guy that could commit to the Buckeyes, uh, I think the ears have to go up, and we're officially on a commitment watch type of situation from Evan Pryor. Um, but that could happen at any one of these places he visits, and that was a point he made clear to me when we talked on Tuesday. Yeah, once the uh, if if there is even a date set, I don't know if he's going to decide a date or if he's just going to spring it on all of us on social media. But once there's a date set, and everybody's going to be sitting on pins and needles waiting on this announcement because you know this isn't a guy that Ohio State's going to going to. Uh, tap dance around and say, well, why don't you wait? Because we've got other running backs. This is a guy that this is a, a home run type of running back in the class. And he could be a guy that could really be a difference maker for the Buckeyes. Uh, I think instantly, I think he has the running style that can translate to the college game pretty, pretty easily. So uh, it's, it's a big time for Ohio state. And whenever they can get him on campus, I'm sure that's going to be one of the more pivotal visits for any, at any position in any player uh, in this 2021 cycle. Yeah. It's like we talked about on Sunday that, that decision by Evan Pryor has the potential to serve um, as a bit of a domino for everyone else. Uh, and you know with the Buckeyes that they've been involved. Like I said, he visited twice last year. He's talking to Ryan Day and Tony Alford daily. He told me on Tuesday that they're they're really just pushing to get him back on campus. And it's really important because he did visit Georgia in January. He visited North Carolina in January. He told me on Tuesday that he's visiting North Carolina as soon as this recruiting dead period is over. The, the the Tar Heels are making a big push to keep their best players in the state. Um, and it's a state that's as right now is, you know, really developing into a really talent rich area. Uh, and it's what we, again, what we talked about on Sunday, some of these spots that maybe were a little bit easier to break into and pull guys from uh, three years ago now is starting to kind of tighten up. Uh, the Gavin Blackwell commitment, the wide receiver from North Carolina who recently committed to the Tar Heels, is really good friends with Evan Pryor, and, and, it, and that group are all talking about what it would be like to stay home and what they could do in the ACC um, if they all decided to stick home. So I, I, I talked to Evan, as I've already said, and to me, like I, I talk about head versus heart all the time when it comes to recruiting, and he's a perfect example of what that's going to come down to because there's the heart which says, Hey, this is my home. This is where I can be a hometown hero and maybe bring back this program to, to national um, prominence or whatever. And then there's the head, which says, oh, okay, here's Ohio state and Georgia and Penn state, um, Oklahoma, USC, all these other programs that he's interested in where maybe his personal brand um, can explore a little bit more. And he could also have a better chance at winning a national championship. Not, not USC. Take that back. Well, this is. I think this is a little different than the situation from last year because last year you were asking a guy like Bijan Robinson to come, you know, on a six-hour plane ride to Columbus. You were asking Kendall Milton to come on a six-hour, five-hour plane ride to Columbus, however far it might be. 
this is a kid who is only six hours from Columbus. And I think people tend to forget that this is not like a far trip. I don't think distance is going to be an issue here. Like you said, it's going to be all head versus heart. And these visits, I think are going to play a huge role in what happens because if North Carolina can lay out a plan that says, this is our plan moving forward. Um, this is how we're going to get back to uh, the way things should be around here. I think it's going to be really hard for the Buckeyes to, to pull them out of the, the state. But if the Buckeyes have a plan going in and saying, Hey, we're going to bring two running backs into this class, but look at what you can be. You can be the, you know, the cornerstone for this class on offense with, with Kyle McCord and these two wide receivers. Uh, I think the Buckeyes have a pretty good chance of landing this commitment if he goes somewhere out of state. Yeah, and the thing is, Ohio State recruits uh, McCord, Ben Chrisman, Jack Sawyer, um, Marvin Harrison. These guys are all really close to Evan Pryor, and they have played a big role. Um, you know, we, obviously, peer-to-peer recruiting is important. It's not quite as important sometimes as it gets made out to be. But those relationships matter, especially when you're talking about a guy that has such solid relationships with his players in the state of North Carolina. Um, and are trying to push him to stay home. You gotta, you gotta really think that these guys are going to be on campus when Evan Pryor visits. I, I just think, I think that's going to be so pivotal that Ohio State sets up a visit for Evan Pryor, where some of these other uh, guys are on some unofficial visits for spring practice. Because um, I think more so in recruiting this 2021 class, that we're seeing how close they are, and kind of in a way the 2020 class, the way they were at the on the unofficial visits in the spring. If you have guys that they can hang out with during practice and they're not just standing around beside Tony Alford and watching the running backs work, I think that's a better recruiting tool than sitting them down in Ryan Day's office and saying, hey, here's the plan for you. You know, you got to let these guys hang out with some of their friends. I, I just think that's the way recruiting is going nowadays. Yeah, I mean, we watched it last year in the March visits um, when they did the Student Appreciation Day, and Jack Sawyer was there hanging out with J.C. Latham. Um, who was making his first visit to Ohio State at that time. And at that at that time, he was a defensive line prospect. But that relationship really carried through the summer. And now Latham is a player that a lot of people think is going to end up at Ohio State and uh, as an offensive lineman. But, you know, those visits, as you mentioned, are key. It's about – and, again, as we've talked about on Talking Stuff in the past, it's so pivotal for Ohio State to have these early in-state commitments – Guys like Chrisman and Sawyer and Carrico uh, and Jaden uh, uh, Jaden Ballard and and um, really getting those guys on campus so that they can work to help bring in this class because who you're playing with is is just as important as where you're playing at in a lot of cases. Yeah, and if you uh, the other thing is like if you can show Evan Pryor, hey, this is Ben Chrisman, he's going to be blocking for you. I think that's a pretty good selling point because Ben Chrisman's a, a massive individual who who you know has a pretty good personality. You know, these guys can all start to come together and, and think about, you know, national title aspirations and, and, you know, posting pictures together on Twitter and all that garbage that kids care about that I sound like an old man, but get off, his lawn. Would, get off Spencer's all, lawn. All that, all that stuff the recruits care about nowadays, you know, that comes down to having other uh, commits and other targets on campus to hang out with. It's not just about, like I said, sitting down in Ryan's day's office and opening a, a notebook. Yeah, but I mean, those things are important and it's about how you sell the program and how the program um, allows you to express yourself and to be yourself. And Ohio State's done a great job of that for Evan Pryor. And I just want to put a capper on it. I, I agree with you that um, the challenge here is getting him to leave the state. And I know that Georgia's involved. I know Penn State, where his sister goes to school, is involved. Um, I think if he leaves the state of North Carolina, I still think it's going to be Ohio State uh, that he ends up choosing whenever he does commit. But as he told me earlier this week, it's going to be a matter of whenever he feels right. Um, and it could be 
that could be that first weekend after the dead period ends and he goes and visits North Carolina and maybe he doesn't make the trip to Ohio State. But I'll, to, to put a capper on this, as I said, I did talk to Pryor on Tuesday and he told me that he didn't understand why running backs weren't lining up to play in the Ohio State offense and how the 2020 cycle he said he thought could benefit him. So um, it's interesting to think about that in that respect. He's obviously thinking about that. But there's a lot of pieces when you're talking about family wanting you to stay close to home, family wanting you to go to Penn State because that's where your sister is, family wanting you to to be a hometown hero, family wanting you to play in the NFL. There's all these things, um, and these kids have to make this decision for themselves. And uh, it becomes more and more difficult as big-time coaches like Mac Brown. I mean, this, the guy's that won a national championship. Let's not, let us not forget that. Um, you have a coach like that in your backyard – uh, it, it changes things and it makes things more difficult for Ohio State on the recruiting front and um, in an area that is, as I said, is really talent rich. And you know, for, go ahead. Oh, no. For North Carolina to even be in this recruiting battle with the likes of Ohio State, Georgia, Penn State, I, I guess Oklahoma's on its profile, but I don't think that that's really a, a, a you know tar- a target destination for him. For, for Mac Brown to even be in these races with some of these guys, it's so impressive what North Carolina is doing. And I think, I think they're going to start to play a factor in a lot of these recruitments. But the other point I wanted to make is like everybody ran around like chickens with their head cut off last year when every running back would make a, an announcement in the 2020 cycle and they weren't going to Ohio State. I think it just set up for like Evan Fryer mentioned and like we're going to continue to talk about it set up for Ohio State some just fantastic opportunities with this what I call loaded 2021 class. Yeah, they just have to, right, they just have to take advantage of it and and Tony Alford, I know he took a lot of heat in the last cycle but and even the 29 cycle but he's done a really great job building relationships with recruits. I mean it was there's a reason that Bajan Robinson and Jalen Knighton committed to him in the first place. Um so you know we don't have to dive back into that can of worms but you know, I think it is important just to understand that this isn't a traditional battle for a kid in an area that doesn't have a, a big time national, a big time program recruiting him at home. But Michigan State is one of those programs now with a new coach, um, so that they're going to make recruiting in Michigan more difficult. And as, again, as we talked about on on Sunday, all these schools are are trying to rebrand themselves and rebirth their programs. Uh, and Mac Brown in North Carolina, Arizona State, uh, you know, these programs have done a good job doing that. And I thought it was interesting this week with Mel Tucker being named the head coach at Michigan State, who I just alluded to. He, in his first press conference, like at Michigan State, when he was introduced during a basketball game on Sunday, started talking about how he was going to recruit Ohio. And that's kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're. I don't, I get it. Like, okay, so, and we have talked about this, I think, off the record a little. I get trying to recruit Ohio because Michigan State had some success with like three star Ohio kids, and Kentucky's having some, I guess you could call it success, but they're going seven and five against the SEC East um, by recruiting Ohio kids. But like, you're not out recruiting Ohio State for in state Ohio kids. And Ryan Day's making it a, if Ryan Day's making it a 100% priority to recruit Ohio, Michigan State's strategy is not going to work because the way Michigan State was successful is Urban Meyer didn't make Ohio a priority and Michigan State did. But now if Ohio State is all gung-ho about getting these guys to Ohio State from Ohio, it's just not going to work. And I just think it's super interesting the way Mel Tucker is going to approach this. Well, because the fact of the matter is Michigan State, as you said, 
became successful under Mark D'Antonio by do, going into Ohio and recruiting the second tier guys that Ohio State wasn't recruiting. They weren't going into Columbus and and around Ohio and knocking off the Buckeyes for players the Buckeyes actually wanted in the state. Right? They weren't. They weren't getting Jack Sawyer. Right. So what they were getting was the the second tier B group uh, that Ohio State wasn't recruiting, which is still and obviously pretty good football players, okay? Now those guys are going to Kentucky, which is why Mel Tucker, one of his first uh, attempts at poaching a coach from another program was he went out and tried to get Vince Merrill from Kentucky because Vince Merrill, the Kentucky tight ends coach or running backs coach, I don't care what he coaches, it doesn't matter. What he does is he comes into Ohio and recruits the players around the state and gets them to go to Kentucky instead of going to Cincinnati or Purdue or Michigan State. So Mel Tucker knows that that program was built – on Ohio talent. He also knows that Michigan talent is getting better, but you still need to recruit the, the the states around your home. And if you look at what Kentucky's done inside of Ohio in the last few years, you look at a guy like Lynn Bowden, for example. Uh, that's a player that I, I'm not sure why Michigan State didn't push after harder. He's an extremely uh, impressive and incredible athlete. And, and think about what that guy could have done for their offense in East Lansing. So it's just one of those things where you're going to see, and, and Jim Harbaugh has basically avoided Ohio, right? Because he knows that if he wants to compete with the Buckeyes in the Big Ten, he needs to have Ohio State caliber players, right? But Ohio State caliber players in the state of Ohio aren't going to Michigan at this point. So it, it's fascinating to see this concession from a guy like Tucker who says, well, I need to recruit the guys that Ohio State isn't recruiting in Ohio so that they're not going to Cincinnati, so that they're not going to Kentucky. But as we've seen in the recruiting world in the last few years, the state of Michigan's pretty wide open for recruits because Michigan has done a poor job, if we're being honest, at recruiting inside of their own state by um, sort of making assumptions that kids who they offer from inside of Michigan are going to end up there. Michigan State did a great job under Mark D'Antonio in the, in the early part of the t- uh, 2010 decade um, in recruiting the Detroit area, which he did with the help of Curtis, Curtis Blackwell. Obviously, that relationship uh, fizzled and is now the reason neither one of those two are in, in East Lansing. But if Mel Tucker can open up that uh, gateway back to the Detroit area and the western part of the state up in the Grand Rapids area, Michigan State can really do some damage, I think, inside of Michigan. But Ohio State, with Kerry Combs back, is also going to continue to be very aggressive recruiting Michigan because they've had players from that state in the last handful of years who've been very successful. Uh, and then you see Cameron Martinez and Grant Tutant from the class of 2020. Um, and the Buckeyes, if you look at 2021, there's a whole handful of guys that they're still recruiting in that class. It's pretty interesting to me that we just went through that podcast on Sunday and talked about all the states Ohio State is trying to to go in and poach guys from. And we didn't even mention Michigan because we just think of it as a border state. But Ohio State is is really going in there and just, you know, if they want a guy, they're going after him hard. And, and the same can't be said about Michigan and Michigan State. Um, but, you know, every point that you made is is valid. I think, I think all, Michigan State can have some success in Michigan and in Ohio, because you can pitch, you know, Ohio state coming in, you can pitch that you're the in-state school that, you know, Michigan can just kind of sit on their butts and not do anything about it. Cause they just don't seem to, I don't know. I don't like Michigan's recruiting strategy, but I think Michigan state can do a pretty decent job in the state of Michigan and in the state of Ohio, you know, if they work hard and Mel Tucker is a, is a, from what everything that I've read and, and seen about Mel Tucker, he's a, 
a tireless recruiter. He is a good recruiter. And so if you can put a fence around some of Michigan and get some of those second-tier guys in Ohio, I think you can have a lot of success there. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is that the the kids growing up in Michigan right now, um, the the football players growing up in Michigan, their formative years were years when Michigan State was the, the winning program in the state, not Michigan. That's and, just crazy. And so they're not like – in love with Michigan like they used to be. And they're also seeing Ohio State and and the national teams like Alabama and Notre Dame and that kind of stuff that are still doing a good job inside of the state. And again, I, Michigan's brand has always been to recruit nationally because there was always a, a lack of talent inside of Michigan. But that has really changed in the last handful of years. And I don't think that the Wolverines under Jim Harbaugh have really tried to tap into that. I mean, sure, they still get the majority of the kids they want in the state. And I, I'm not trying to suggest that they don't. But I think that they, they've had a tendency to get a little bit lackadaisical. If you look at like Julian Barnett and Devontae Dobbs in the class of 2019, you look at Cameron Martinez in, in 2020, um, there, there's a handful of guys in 2021 that are really open to national looks. And you look at guys like Donovan Edwards, the the top-ranked running back in the state of Michigan and the number two running back in the country who's looking at Ohio State, Notre Dame, LSU, Georgia. If you look at uh, Rocco Spindler and Garrett Dellinger, the tackles at Clarkston, Michigan, uh, the two offensive tackles, both of them top 10 players in the country at their position. I talked to them both this week, and they're both setting up their official visits to Ohio State. They're both taking official visits to Notre Dame. Uh, Dellinger, is, a lot of people think that he, he's going to – to go down to LSU and, and that's where he could end up. And these kids aren't afraid to leave the state of Michigan because there's nothing really that's forcing them or, or, you know, keeping them home because the success um, in places like Ohio state and Alabama and Clemson, where like Duke or Roku, the defensive lineman in 2019 went, there's all these guys that realize they can go play at a national program somewhere else. And one that's not, um, losing every big game they play. And I think that that is certainly playing a part of this. Um, but again, you look at the Buckeyes in Michigan, there's those three guys I just mentioned, but then there's Rayshon Benny, um, the uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman prospect from Oak Park. Like it's, it's just a, a group that isn't afraid to leave the state of Michigan. And the Buckeyes have certainly taken advantage of that in the last handful of years. And with Kerry Combs back on the Buckeyes uh, coaching staff, Kerry Combs is the one that really opened up all those doors. I talked to Caleb King, a defensive back from uh, Detroit Cast Tech earlier this week, and you know Thomas Wilcher, who was Jim Harbaugh's teammate at, at Michigan in the '80s. I mean, King was like, "Yeah, T Coach Wilcher loves Kerry Combs." So, like, it, it's a different world uh, with Kerry Combs up there, and he, him being the guy that's getting into the high schools. Yeah, it, it, that's crazy. You know, you, you just some of the stuff that that comes out of Michigan these days, and it's hard to uh, be surprised by any of it. But you know, these guys that are leaving Michigan. They, you know, I've been seeing a lot of things about from, you know, anti-Michigan stuff that Michigan is, is a, a fight song and a, and a band, a, a fight song and a cool helmet now. And that's kind of what it seems like they are on the recruiting, you know, trail too. that they don't have the success. Um, I think it's going to be uh, a race between Michigan and Michigan State. I think Mel Tucker is going to out recruit Jim Harbaugh, maybe not in the, in the rankings, recruiting rankings, but, but. If there's going to be somebody who works harder on the recruiting trail, it's not going to be Jim Harbaugh. It's going to be Mel Tucker, and it's going to be Kerry Combs up there. And I, I think it's going to be uh, a a gut check for Michigan when it comes to Michigan State and Ohio State coming into that state. And I think it happens in this 2021 class. I just think there's too much talent up there that's going to end up leaving the state 
people are going to have to sit back and wonder what's going on at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, but it's happened in the past, and it's been a byproduct of guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a huge win for Michigan, right? Like a monster win on the recruiting trail. And, and three years of, of playing in Ann Arbor, and he did nothing. And I think people see that, and kids especially talk. And, and I remember talking to a player uh, from – my hometown of Toledo a few years ago, who uh, was interested in going to Notre Dame and um, Michigan and a few other schools. One of his old high school teammates went to Notre Dame and he told me the reason he, he didn't end up going to Notre Dame was because of the things that teammate who played at Notre Dame told him. So like these kids talk and like you get to a point where you start to wonder like if you're not developing players and they're not turning into um, big time draft picks and, and guys like Donovan Peoples Jones, and I, I'm going to be clear. I think he's a fantastic, fantastic prospect. And I think he's going to have a really good NFL career, but if he doesn't look to be developed when he's in college, these kids in high school are talking about it. And then you pile on the fact that they can't haven't beat Ohio state in, in a, in a, in this century, but once or twice, I mean, these kids are 18 years old and have seen Michigan win that game once in their entire life. And that is a, that's it's crazy to even consider for me growing up in in the '90s, especially. Um, but oh, here, here we go again. You can't forget the fact these kids <laughs> these kids can't ignore the fact that that's happening, and so uh, they watch what Michigan State did in in their formative years, not just beating Michigan, but also beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, making the college football playoff. If Mel Tucker can take can take those things and build on them. And then still reopen connections inside of the Michigan high school, uh, you know, coaches community, which is something that D'Antonio did really well early and then really did a good job with with Curtis Blackwell, who was from the Detroit and the sound mind, sound body and the, the Detroit Martin Luther King High School. And, and he was tied in with all those guys. And once once the, the Blackwell thing happened, um, it seemed like Michigan State lost a little bit of that cachet. So I'm I'm just I want to see how Mel Tucker gets it back I guess and um you know that I, that's enough I mean we're talking a lot of stuff here Spencer but we're not talking too much stuff about Ohio State at this point but understand it's, well I I think it ties all in because you know this Mel Tucker thing is I think a bigger a bigger deal than a lot of people in the Big Ten made it out to be you know a lot of people think it's just a hire but I think it's I think it could change the way the Big Ten looks on the on the east side and I think Ohio State still is going to be king don't get me wrong. But I do think there's an opportunity right now for Michigan State, as good of a recruiter as Tucker is, with the talent that's developing in Michigan to really put a stamp on what he's trying yeah. to do. And and I think that affects Ohio State. I think that affects Michigan. It affects uh, Notre Dame, who Ohio State has on the schedule in the coming years. Like So I do think there is an element of this that all ties back to what the Buckeyes are trying to do uh, in the state of Michigan. Yeah, and I will say this, and we'll get wrapped up here about Mel Tucker. He coached at Ohio State. He coached at Georgia. Uh, he's a guy that understands recruiting Ohio. He understands recruiting the Southeast and does that extremely well. If Michigan State can make themselves a presence in Georgia and Florida um, and, and really dive back into those areas where there's not a lot of second-tier programs, a lot of those kids are going to like Baylor and Houston and all that other stuff. Um, in Florida State, for example, a program that's still down. But if if they can find a way to, to – to dive into that area because of Mel Tucker's uh, past and then Ohio, and then, you know, correct what's happened in the state of Michigan. I, I definitely think that Mel Tucker as a 
coach. Uh, I don't know all that much about him. He seems like he does a good job. Did a fine job at Colorado. But as a recruiter, there's no doubt he's going to bring a different energy and another level of competitiveness to the Big Ten um, and something that Ohio State fans may not necessarily feel in the first year or two. But all it takes is one win on the football field, and all of a sudden strange things happen. So, And you see guys, like I said, like Julian Barnett and Devontae Dobbs, who oh, the Buckeyes wanted pretty bad in the class of 2019, who ended up staying home and playing at Michigan State. And I, whether or not that they regret that now, who knows? But it doesn't matter. They, the Michigan State won those battles. So um, let's wrap it up there, Spencer. Go on vacation. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, folks, this has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. Thanks again to our friends at Buyers Automotive for sponsoring this content and more. Please subscribe, like, rate, review, and we'll talk to you folks next time. Thanks for listening.